seat. As we get ready to wrap up our series on the church will prevail. The church will prevail. We have been here for four weeks and we're going to extend, I'm just kidding, we're not going to extend this. We are done this week. Josh made a joke this earlier in the week, told me that I was going to extend it again, but I didn't. The church will prevail. I told him we were going to make a joke that we were doing part three of, of music, but he didn't get that lucky. So the first week we looked at Jesus is the cornerstone. The reason the church will prevail is because Jesus, full stop, end of statement, because of Jesus. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation on which the church is built. What he has done has built the church, and his power will sustain the church. That's why the church will prevail. And then we have looked at, since that first week, how we can make the church prevail even more, how we can be a church that is helping the church prevail. Jesus' is, gospel is going to prevail regardless of whether this church is part of that or not. The choice of whether we're part of it or not is our choice. So we want to do things that help us be part of the church prevailing. So the church will prevail even more when we sing. We must sing. We talked about it for two weeks. We must sing with God-centered hearts and in a way that admonishes and teaches God's Word. And that's what we strive to do every week that we meet together. And then today we're looking at the final message in that series. So the question I have for you as we get into that is how do you know something is on fire? How do you know that something is on fire? You say it this way. It's easy to determine when something is aflame. It ignites other material. Any fire that does not spread eventually goes out. A church without evangelism is a contradiction in terms. Just as a fire that does not burn is a contradiction. You know that something's on fire because it burns. And for it to continue to burn, it must continue to spread to new things to burn. A church that doesn't evangelize is not a church. Just as a fire that does not burn is not a fire. A church must evangelize. It is the reason in which we exist, is to spread the good news of Jesus. So today, we go first, we'll be in three different spots, We'll go first to one of the most memorable passages in all of Scripture. If you, if you started church when you were young, this is probably the first verse you memorized in Scripture. And it's in John's Gospel, chapter 3, starts in verse 16. But we're going to read the entire thought, not just that one verse. It says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. So it says, God loved the world in this way, or your, or your English may say, for God so loved the world. Now, the reason that I like the HCSB translation there is it's not that God so loved the world. It's that for God loved the world in this way. That's what it's trying to say. How did God love the world? Well, he gave. God gave. He gave his son. He gave a fix. He gave a solution. He gave a way back to him. Why? So that. I love those words. When you see those words in English in Scripture, something important is happening. He gave God had a plan, and he loved the world in this way that he gave his son so that everyone, 
That is God's desire. Hear that this morning. Hear that this morning. We won't get into a, a doctrinal, doctrinal debate, although we've had some fun ones. I'm pointing at Dusty because we've had some fun ones lately. Not he and I. He and I agree. But elsewhere, there's this ridiculous belief that God came to only save some. I think it's ridiculous. I think only some will be saved. That is true. But I think God's desire, which is clear from Scripture, because it says it right here amongst many other places, that he desires everyone to be saved. He doesn't desire that anyone should perish. No, not one, his scripture says. Amen. So that everyone would be saved. Why did God give? Why did God do what he did? So that everyone would have the opportunity to be saved. It says, but the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come to condemn. That's why it's good news. <laughs> That's why it's good news. It's, it's good news is something you want to hear. The, church, the church's message of being saved is a compelling message. It's a message that any human being really and truly wants to hear. You want to know that there is a God that loves you. There is a, there is a, a better end to all of this than what we're currently going through. That's, that's in us. God, he says it many different ways in Scripture, but it is in us. God puts that in us. He put the, the eternity in the heart of man. That is in us. We know that there is more beyond this physical life. And it's good news to know that God has done something about this miserable world. Because that's what it is sometimes. Not always. Lots of times it's, it's, it's great. It's fun. It's fantastic. But, but God's eternity is going to be perfect. You know, I think in eternity the Razorbacks are always going to win. Forced. Regardless of SEC officiating. The Razorbacks are going to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not about condemning. Our message that we have to spread is not about condemnation. Hear that in those verses. It's not about condemnation. The world is already condemned. That's why it's good news. Because the world cho chose to, to reject God, we, me, we, mankind, we're on a path to destruction. We are on a path to eternal separation. Just look around in the world. We are already living in a physical hell. It's just going to get worse in eternity. That's the path that mankind was on. But the good news is God stepped into history and said, not on my plan. That's not my plan. My plan is to do something about that. My plan is to save you. My plan is, my plan is to give you a, a hope and a better future, an eternity that you can't even possibly fathom. If I told you how eternity would be, God, if he were standing here, would say, if I told you all the things of eternity, your, your finite minds couldn't comprehend it. Couldn't comprehend it. And then he goes on there, not believed in the name of Jesus. If you, you're on your way to condemnation, if you, if you, but if you don't believe that God is who he says he is, then, then you're just going to continue on that same path. Belief and action. Belief, faith, trust and obey. He's saying it's the best way. God's way is the best way. Even now, God's way is the best way. Our, our job is to bring heaven to earth. Spreading the good news of Jesus brings heaven to earth. Not fully, not completely, but it's better. It's better than what the world has to offer. It's better than what Satan has to offer. It's better than the lies of the father of lies. It's better than sin. It's better than heartache. It's better than death. It's better than everything else the world offers. Right now it's better. 
even more better later, but right now it's better. That's good news. That's something worth sharing to the world. We're not sharing to condemn, we're sharing to save. There's a message of save, of being saved, of salvation. <clears throat> so, we looked at Jesus as the cornerstone the first week. He's the foundation. We need to sing. We need to sing well because it matters and it will help us along this journey. And then today we're looking at the church will prevail even more when the spread of the gospel is our main focus in all we do. And by all we do, you know when we say that word all, we mean all. All we do. Everything we do should be with the goal of spreading the gospel more. You say, well, even when we meet for, for tea and crumpets, which we don't do, but whatever, cake and coffee? Yes, even when we fellowship and just doing something fun. Well, how is that spreading the gospel? Well, you kind of have to recover a little bit in this world. Last time I checked, you can't be on all the time. Amen. God's, God set it up from the beginning. Six days work, one day rest. We need rest. We need a time to re recuperate. That, that's part of what fellowship does. Understand that, that we're, when we do something that's quote-unquote just for fun, it ain't just for fun. It's just for fun so that we can recover and so that we can go share the gospel even more so that we can continue and jump right back into the battle and continue to fight. It all matters, and it all must point to one thing. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all mankind. So when the main thing is the main thing, then we'll prevail all the more as a church. So the thing is about, about that, we need an eagerness and a boldness for the spread of the gospel. We need an eagerness and a boldness. Say eagerness. Say boldness. We need that when it comes to spreading the gospel. Just like Paul says in our second set of scriptures today in Romans chapter 1. He says, so I am eager to preach the good news to you who are also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and to the Greek. For in it, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. Paul hasn't gotten to the Romans yet, but he wants to. He wants to get to the Roman church so badly, but he hasn't yet. And he's sharing to them, I cannot wait. I would give anything. I, I wish it were God's plan right now for me to come to you and preach the good news that God has done something. He has stepped into history and done something that you will want to hear. That's what good news is. It's something you want to hear and something that we should want to spread. He says, I can't wait to get there and share this with you. And of course, the language of what he's doing here is kind of a paraphrase off of Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.4, where Habakkuk says that the righteousness will live by faith. And I do not think it is by accident that Paul is doing that. He's writing to a group of people that are going through difficult times, just as Israel was when Habakkuk wrote the message that he wrote. And, and, and Habakkuk, in that, in that time period, in this, about 600 B.C., the message he's writing is, Babylon is who God's going to use to discipline us as a nation. And Habakkuk had to have been thinking, really? That's really your plan, God? Babylon? That Babylon? That pagan, evil nation? That is not you? That is not, does not represent anything that you 
say you represent and you're going to use them to discipline us because we have disobeyed i don't get it god i'm almost ashamed to tell our people that that's what your plan is but i'm going to share it that's what habakkuk that's the message he was sharing then at that point in time and at this point in time it's just recently after the jews have been expelled from rome the city of rome claudius the emperor emperor there was there was there was uprising spreading out throughout rome and and to deal with that to, to deal with crestus as it's written in history which is a misspelling of, of christians he expels all the jews from rome especially those that are followers of jesus so it's 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 like really this is what getting following jesus gets you this is god's plan to kick us out of the roman city following jesus means what god god's gonna do what and paul's saying yeah I'm not ashamed of this message. I understand that it's a big picture message. It's not a in the day, in the moment, circumstantial message. If you stay in the circumstance, you can find all types of reasons not to share the gospel and not to live for Jesus. But when you back out to the 30,000 foot view, or if we had the ability and could back out to the eternal view, well, then it would make sense like that. It would make sense like that what God's plan does but we can't do that but we can trust him and that's what Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel I trust God I trust him that this plan is going to work Paul Paul makes three gar statements would be the word in Greek for us that would be for or because three 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 times this there's a kind of a pivot in, in what he's saying right here I, I'm coming to you to preach the gospel I, and I'm eager to do it because I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I'm eager. Because, why? Why am I eager? Why am I not ashamed? Because it's God's power for salvation. It's not a condemning message. It's a saving message. It's good news. God wants you forever. It's a good news message. Because it's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. Think of the power of that statement in 50 AD it's for everyone think of the power of that statement in 2021 right now this message is for everyone at a time in history especially in our nation where everybody that quote-unquote leads us is trying to dissect us into as many possible groups as possible as many little bitty groups as possible so that we'll all be against each other we have a message that says this is for everyone Anyone that would call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever means whosoever. It's a great message for everyone. And he says it again, because this message is the power for salvation, it's, and it's an expression of God's righteousness, and it's revealed from faith to faith, or in, in living out your faith. This is where he's paraphrasing Habakkuk 2.4. It's good news. Good news of Jesus, God's ability to save. Why, how is it displaying his, his righteousness? Because it's showing his ability to save, to do good. That's what righteousness is, to do good. In faith, we live because the gospel reveals how righteous God is, even when the circumstance that they were in, that the Jews were in, and maybe you individually are in right now, aren't good. Maybe the circumstance isn't good, 
but the righteousness of God is good. Eternity trumps all things. You say, well, I don't understand this. What I'm going through is, is difficult. Yeah, but God has saved you for eternity. Everything you go through now matters forever. Every time you go through a difficult circumstance and still praise God, sacrifice of praise, when you praise him, especially when it's not easy, that matters and ripples out for eternity. Maybe that person that's watching you has been this close, and you're the reason. You praising God in the storm is the reason they finally go, you know, there's, there's just got to be something to this. There's got to be something to this. There's no other explanation for why that person would do that than they truly believe what it is that they're saying. They truly believe that God stepped into eternity and shed his blood to prove how much he loved you and me. Because that's what love does. It does something. It doesn't just talk. Love does something. Man, what a great message. What a great message. We should never be ashamed to share this message. It's a phenomenal message that God loves you and wants you and has done something to save you. And because of that, we are filled with His grace, His Holy Spirit, and then we go out living that out. Don't overcomplicate it. It's not complicated. That's what it is. So again, what I'm saying as a church, as a church, the, the church will prevail even more when the gospel, the spreading of the good news of Jesus, is our main focus in all we do. So my question is, as we continue on, what are you focused on? You are an individual brick as a believer in Jesus. You are an individual stone in this church. What are you individually focused on? What has your heart? If you're not sure, it's easy to figure out. What do you spend time on? What do you spend money on? That cuts right through all the stuff, doesn't it? Where we spend our time, where we spend our money, that's where our treasure is. That's where our heart is. That's what we're focused on. My question is, what are you focused on? I'll tell you this. This ain't a tooth of horn. This is just because it fits. Trust me, I messed it up a lot. Say that on the front end. When you lose a child, I'll tell you this. You don't ever say, you know, I'm so glad just so thankful that we got on that travel soccer team I'm so thankful we got on that travel soccer team and drug ourselves all over the country and ran ourselves ragged I'm so thankful for that you don't say that I didn't say I haven't said that can you enjoy those things sure but that's not what I'm thankful for I, I, don't, I don't say that about any of those things I'm thankful for the time I had I'm thankful for the memories inside of those types of things. But the thing I'm most thankful for is that we spent time right here in this building. Hearing the gospel over and over and over and over and over until your son comes to you and says, I want that. And places their faith in Jesus and gives their heart to him. And you know that they're experiencing eternal life right now. It don't get any better than that, church. And that's a message we got to spread. <sighs> so we kind of go back to where we started here. 
Matthew 16. Simon Peter answered Jesus. When Jesus said, who, who do you say that I am? You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, that doesn't seem that bold of a statement to make to us because we know that. But nobody had said it up to that point because saying that had some major implications. Major implications. You didn't just say that. A guy didn't just come along and do some things and you're like, oh, well, yeah, there's the Messiah, Son of the living God. Let's follow him to the point of death. It's a major statement that Peter, Peter made. Jesus hadn't said that about himself yet. Not at this point. And Jesus responded to Simon when he said that. Simon, son of Judah. Or yours may say Simon bar Judah, which just means son of. I like it that way, though. Simon bar Judah, that's a cool sounding name. You are blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't read a book or hear somebody talk about this and figure it out. You know this because God revealed it to you. But my Father in heaven, he's the one that revealed this to you through his spirit. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Whew, that's good. You are God, Peter said. Who, who do you guys say I am? Up to this point it was like, well, he's, he's still a forerunner. To the, to the Messiah, right? He's John the Baptist reincarnated, right? He's Elijah because he has performed a resurrection. Well, maybe he's Elijah, but, but he, I, don't, I don't know. Is he the, the guy? And that's what Peter says. He says, you're God. You are God. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. It's the same thing. You are God. And we've talked about it before on a, in a different message about the wordplay there with with Peter, and, and, and this is the rock I'll build on. You know, Peter is Petros, single rock, masculine singular form of the word rock. And then when he says, and on this rock, it's Petra. It's, it's, a, it's, it's plural feminine, and it would be like foundation. Bedrock is the word we would use in English. There's a word play there taking place that, that you can miss in the English if you're not careful. It says, you're the bedrock, the foundation. And, and there's all different ways that this gets twisted up and messed up and screwed up and, and all that is, just totally misses the point, I feel like. The point is, yeah, Peter's going to be part, a major part of the foundation of the building of the church. Sure, don't take that out of it just because certain sects of Christianity messed that up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then just disregard what I'm saying and we'll move right on. <laughs> but building the church... It, it's built on Jesus as the cornerstone and the, and the apostles as the, as the bedrock and the foundation. That's what he's saying. It all goes together. Building the church, this all goes together. It's all part of it. It's all true. It's all part of it. But, but specifically right here, Jesus is saying, that's right, Peter. That's right. The proclaiming of me as God is the foundation of the church. That's what he's saying. The telling, the proclaiming, the proclamation, the living it out as you say, you believe that Jesus is Savior God. That is the foundation of the church. Period. Period. That's what this thing the church is built on. Everything else is only here for that to take place. 
at any point in time, if it becomes about your preference or my preference or my comfortability or your comfortability or anything other than ultimately pointing to the fact that there is a dying world condemned and on its way to hell, and we have a message that can stop that from happening. If, if we deviate from that, then we're missing the point. We're wasting our time on things that are very, very temporary, very fast, very short, very not the main point. So I'll say one last time. The church will prevail even more when the spread of the gospel is our main focus in all that we do from a women's ministry to men's ministry to kids ministry and student ministry and all the little fun things that we do and Christmas parties and all of it meeting on Sunday mornings everything that we do when the main reason that we do it is so that somehow some way we are spreading the gospel all the more than we're doing what we're called to do and if it's not not only are we wasting our time we are being directly disobedient to the Word of God, to what God has called us to do. So one more time, and it's an uncomfortable question. I get that. What are you, as an individual part of this church, what are you focused on? You're saying, well, I can't work? No. That would be stupid. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job. I'm saying the main point of you having a job is so that you can spread the gospel. So that you can help someone reach eternity with Jesus. You know, that's everything. Put, put everything underneath that. Everything is okay that's not simple. That is being done for that reason. Everything that's being done not for that reason is a waste of time. Period. And I'm done with that. So I'm going to do one thing real quick. I'm going to pick people off the worship team because you'll be up here after. And they, don't, <laughs> they didn't know I was going to do this. I almost told them, but I thought it would be more fun not to. So, Mandy... And Kelly and Brett and my favorite to pick on. Oh, she's in nursery, isn't she? Man, she's in nursery. Well, it's got to be Michael Luna then. You can handle it. Come on. Tori's my favorite person in the world to pick on, by the way. But she's serving in the nursery, so we'll let it go. Yeah, what a loser serving in the nursery. Oh, she's here. Oh, what a, what a blessing. You can go sit down. It's way more fun to pick on her. What a blessing. I can't believe she stepped out. She had to. She was going to sing, and then I'd been mad. All right, here's what I need you guys to do. We're just going to illustrate this real quick, okay? Just make a circle holding each other's hands. Okay? Now, preface this. One of you... He's up there up top talking to his brother right now. I have seen me do this before in a different setting. And a couple of you, I've talked to you about this, so you know what's coming. So don't mess it up, okay? And I'll be honest and give credit where credit is due. I didn't make this up, but I'm smart enough to steal from those who are smarter than me, okay? So what these four represent, very, very simply, is the church. They're the church, right? They're the church. And, and this guy right here, it's funny, this guy's... He's focused on the music. That, that music just ain't what it used to be. Or that music, we just ain't doing enough of that new stuff. You can say it either way. You hear both things out there. Not here. I don't ever hear that here. Better not either. <laughs> right? This guy's focused on the music, right? And this one, she's wondering why the, 
Well, the preacher hadn't called and checked on her in a while. He must just not care. He don't have anything going on in his life at all. It couldn't possibly be that it just slipped his mind. It has to be some heinous reason for why he hasn't called me and checked, on, checked in on me. Right? And this one right here, she's worried about why the Connect Center finished yet. Dadgum, we've been working on that thing, seems like forever. And I agree. Okay? Good news is, our hope and plan is to have that completed and ready and open this coming Sunday. Boom. If not, be one more Sunday. But in two Sundays, either this coming Sunday or the next, we got that. But that's what she's worried about. The colors and the schemes and the decoration and all that. Right? She's worried about that. And I want to get my notes here so I don't get too far off track here. Okay? And this one right here, being a Reformed Methodist and all that she is. <laughs> she... She... <laughs> told you I was throwing that in at some point. <laughs> She's worried about why we, why we just don't do things the way we used to do. The way we used to do it worked best, and we just don't do it those way, that way anymore, and she's just upset about it. She just doesn't understand why we can't just do it the way we've always done it, because it worked then, should work now, whatever. Fill in X, Y, Z for whatever that is, okay? And that's what the church is right there. That's what it does, okay? And the funny thing about this illustration, and I've done it twice now, and I've seen it done once, every single time that you ask people to come up and grab each other's hands, this is what they do. This is what they do. But there's one other way they could have made a circle holding hands. How else could you make a circle holding hands? Okay. Nobody ever does that. Why? It's weird, for one. <laughs> it, look, it looks funny. But it's the perfect illustration of what we do. Our default, our default position as human beings, and that's what the church is made up of, human beings. Our default position is to turn and look at each other, to look inside. That's our default position, church, that we have to constantly fight against, only worrying about what we're doing in here. Y'all turn back the way you were, out, out. But when this is the church, and this guy's worrying about that next person he's going to share the gospel with. And she's worried about sharing the gospel. And she's worried about sharing the gospel. And she's worried about that person at work that she's been praying for for 10 years. And she's just, she just knows that conversation is going to happen this week. And she's prayed about it, and she's ready for it, and it's going to happen. When that is the church, when that is the church, then the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The Hades, it, it just won't. And understand that statement, because it can get lost in the English. It's the gates of Hades, not hell. Kind of the same thing, but not really. It's saying that not even death, which is the worst thing that happens in this world, not even death can stop the church. Not even death could stop God. He willingly gave himself up for death and proved his power over it. Nothing can stop the church when the bedrock foundation of the church is spreading the good news of Jesus. This has got to be us, church. This has got to be us. And then all that other stuff, I promise you, it'll take care of itself. It'll take care of itself. We won't get bogged down in the stuff that doesn't matter. We'll be focused on what matters mostly. And we'll be part of the church prevailing. Y'all get ready to lead if you'd like. What are you focused on, church? With humanity that is on its way to hell, it is already condemned, and you have a message of salvation. What are you focused on with your life? And what are we focused on as a corporate 
body of believers. Church, we have got to be focused on spreading the gospel. The next chance we have to do that as a, as a community outreach is trunk or treat. It's fun to dress up. It's fun to give candy. It's fun to be silly. Do it with the intention of spreading the gospel. Maybe that night you get one chance to tell somebody how Jesus changed your life forever. Be ready for it. Don't be ashamed to share it. It's a great message. It's a message they want to hear, even if they don't know it. It's a message that we have to share. We will share. We must. God, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you that we have that message. And not just that we have the message, God, but that we have it personally, that truth. As a follower of Jesus, any follower of Jesus in this building or listening through the cameras or listening later on on the internet, if you have your faith placed in Jesus, you have that truth as the bedrock of your life that Jesus Christ saved you. Saved you. You were already going the wrong direction. He did something to save you. Lord, we thank you for that today. Help us to focus on that, God. Help me to focus on it. We worry about everything else but that. So much of our lives. Don't let us do that, God. Put people in our lives. Let us hear messages. Let us hear songs. Let that person be there for us. Let's pray for each other. Or let's do the things that make it possible to, to fight the battle day to day in this world, good versus evil, condemnation versus salvation. We don't have a message of condemnation. The world's already condemned, God. We have the message of salvation. Shouldn't be ashamed to share that. Don't let us, don't let us be, God. Don't let us be. Don't let us be. Thank you.